You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. I'm so glad that you made it for all of our friends watching online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let our High Ridge family give you a big round of applause to say... We're glad that you tuned in. Welcome to church, everybody. I've got so much to share with you. Grab your Bibles, if you would. We're going to spend some time in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 7. And as we're turning there, I just want to take a moment and tell you thank you for all of your generosity. You guys are the most generous, amazing, giving people that I've ever had the opportunity to serve with. And I'm so grateful for all of those who are not able to say thank you in person. Let me just say your, your giving is making a difference right here in Longview and around the world. I'm so, so, so pleased to tell you that on December 18th, we get to have Legacy Sunday. I get to show you where your money goes. I get to show you all the amazing lives that you've helped to impact and the way that you've made a difference right here and around the world. It's gonna be amazing. I've also encouraged you, hey, on December 18th, we're gonna be giving an offering to help pay off the debt of this building. And so if you would just be praying between now and then, Lord, what would you have me give? Um, I, think I, would, uh, I think I would just be so proud of what you'd be able to do if you're just obedient to whatever God tells you to do. Also, we have some special guests today, so I just wanna say thank you for coming. This is Pastor Stephen and Tandra Warnock in the back. It's a New Covenant Church, my friend. Love them so much. So if I offend you today, if you don't like the message, please go hear him preach. He's much better than I am. And she is, she's an incredible worship, worship leader, and I'm just telling you, they're great people. We love them, they're our friends. So thank you so much for being with us today. It's great. Luke chapter seven, I wanna bring a message that I originally had the title of, of, called The Struggle Bus, but instead we're gonna name it this, Help, I'm Struggling. Somebody say, help. help, I'm struggling. I know this about life, that either you've just come out of some struggles or you're about to walk into some, but somewhere in between, we're gonna find ourselves needing clarity from the word of God to help navigate through the struggle. Struggle is real. Now, during the Thanksgiving season and Christmas season, there are, there are unique seasonal struggles that we're going to deal with. There are some things that you're going to have to struggle through, and uh, some of those revolve around your family. For some of us, you're like, hey, I've got a lot of struggle coming when my family comes into town because it's a struggle when they all show up together in one place. Anybody? Nobody? Some of us are like, I don't know what you're talking about. My family is amazing. Then you're the struggle. <laughs> and in their services today, they're praying about you. They're like, Lord, help me to learn how to deal with that person. It's difficult sometimes, especially when we see um, people get breakthrough, people get answers that we were praying for, the breakthrough that we thought we should have. You ever been in a position where you've prayed for something and you get no answer, then all of a sudden you see someone that you think is a lot less worthy than you get it? Is that just me? Am I talking to myself? You're like, Lord, I, I mean, I, I know that I'm not much, but surely I'm worth, come on. They've got tattoos and I'm. She's got a nose piercing. Surely you don't love her more than nobody. Bunch of Pharisees. There's, there's a powerful scripture in Psalm 73 that says, I was envious when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was envious. Now, how do you really know that they're wicked? I, I can just say, hey, everyone's wicked except for me, Lord. I deserve all your blessings. I deserve the breakthrough. I deserve the answer to prayer. They're wicked people. Smite them. Bless me. You ever been in a place where you see someone get the blessing that you were praying for? You get someone that, ha that has the answer and you're like, man, I, I, wish, I, could, I wish I could have what, what, what 
they've got. God, why aren't you, why aren't you doing that for me? It's a struggle sometimes to watch breakthrough happen in people's lives when you were the one needing the breakthrough. And I've experienced this many times in my life. And I think a lot of that started, um, I was raised holiness Pentecostal. And so my parents didn't celebrate any holidays. Thanksgiving is not a thing. Like you're supposed to be thankful 365 days out of the year. Like we're always thankful. Like, uh, come on, man. Turkey, mashed potatoes, carbs, anybody? No. Come on. Like surely we can at least have a meal. Like, no, no, no. And then Christmas was not a thing. And and watching all the kids in our neighborhood get Christmas gifts and they would show up the next day after Christmas playing with all these new toys and you're like, man, come on, Lord, please. And all these things that they get that you wish that you'd have, they get the latest G.I. Joe and the latest of this and the latest Hot Wheels this and I'm dating myself with all the things that I wanted when I was little, but you see all the people around me getting all these things and they're gonna have it broke by January 1st. Like, Lord, surely you understand I would take better care of those things. I would appreciate it more. It's difficult sometimes to watch people get the things that you're struggling in the middle of. But I want to remind you that, I'm, uh, that the struggle is biblical. I'm so thankful that the Bible doesn't hide struggles from us. It doesn't just show us the heroes of the faith. It shows us some of their backstories. And it reveals, it pulls back the cover sometimes, and it shows us warts and all. Like, these were not perfect people. And they had moments where they struggled. When other people got breakthrough, and they didn't receive what they felt like they deserved. Sometimes people got amazing things, and sometimes you didn't. The struggle is biblical. So how do we navigate through that struggle season? How do we navigate through the times where we're faking it till we're, till we're making it? I think it's more than just coming to church on Sunday and say, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of God. I'm too blessed to be stressed. How you doing? Hallelujah, brother. I'm, I'm just blessed in the storehouse. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going in and blessed coming. Like, dude, you were cussing last night on Facebook. I saw your Facebook live. <laughs> Come on now. Who do you think you're fooling? The struggle is real. And the struggle is Biblical. So in Luke chapter 7, we find John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. We find him at the end of his life in prison. In prison. And the Bible tells us that in this moment, he calls his disciples. John had disciples as well. He calls them and tells them, hey, go to talk to Jesus and ask him, are you the one? Or should we expect somebody else? What about me? What about my breakthrough? I hear all these things that are happening in your ministry, but what about old John over here? Surely I'm worth more than some of these people. Can you not break off a little miracle for me? I was there before anybody else was. You ever give your list of qualifications to God? But God, I've been serving you longer than her. <laughs> but God, I'm a Texan. We're, this is God's country. No, nobody? Just me? In Luke chapter 7, look at this, starting in verse 18. John's disciples told him about all the things that Jesus was doing. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect somebody else? So the men come to Jesus and they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? I love it that it says, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases and sicknesses and evil spirits, gave sight to many who were blind. Or in other words, you came at the perfect time. Hmm. I'm going to let the scene speak for itself. Are you the one? Like, oh, no, am I the one? Oh, I'm blind, receive their sight. Are you the one? Hey, get up and walk. Look at that. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. 
Are you the one that we should expect or am I expecting somebody else? Jesus says this, he replies to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and what you've heard, what you've seen with your own eyes, what you've heard with your own ears. Go back and tell John the scene that's happening here. And then Jesus quotes Isaiah. He says this, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And I love what he says at the end of this message back to his cousin John. He said, blessed is anyone who who does not stumble on account of me. Your Bible may say, blessed is the one who doesn't fall away on account of me. The word is scandal on here. The word means, blessed is he who doesn't fall into a trap on account of me. I wonder how many times we've fallen into the struggle trap where we're in the middle of some circumstances, but other people are getting breakthrough. Other people are getting the marriage proposal. Other people are getting the great Instagram feed that you wish that you had. Other people are getting the miracle. Other people are getting the financial breakthrough. Other people getting the raise. Other people are getting the wife that you wish you had. Other people getting the girlfriend you wish you had. Some people are getting them both. That's not a double blessing. That's not what you think. He says, what about me? What about my struggles? Jesus says, blessed is he who does not stumble or fall away or struggle or fall into the trap on account of me. I love that Jesus sends him back this message through his disciples and says, you tell them, tell them what you're seeing. Tell them what you're hearing. Tell them about the presence around what you've just experienced. Share with him in the middle of his struggle. There are some things that I think are important as we're pulling these nuggets out of scripture that it will help us today in the midst of whatever struggle we may just be in or whatever struggle we're about to walk into. There's four keys I want to show you that are extremely important to help you deal with whatever struggle that you're facing. Here's, the, here's what I know. Number one, if you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. Struggles bring hard questions. As a matter of fact, many times, that's how you know that you're in the midst of a real struggle. You see, there's some times where you're like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to have for lunch after service. I'm struggling. I didn't have my extra shot of espresso. I'm struggling. Like, come on. Come on. I'm talking about real struggles. How do I know that I'm really in a struggle? When you start asking yourself the hard questions. Like, God, don't you see? God, where are you? Anybody ever been in that place where you're wondering, where where are you? Don't you hear me? Don't you recognize what I'm having to walk through here? God, this is painful to me. Don't you see? Or God, don't you see what they need a breakthrough? Why Why are you not doing the things that your word says you can do? Where are you? Hard questions. Struggles bring hard questions. And I love that we see that that the Bible is very clear when when John's disciples are coming to him and they said, "Are, are you the Messiah? That's a hard question. Think about that. Face to face with Jesus, are you the one? All these miracles happen all around us. Are you the one? Or should I expect somebody else? Struggles bring hard questions. And by the way, this is extremely common. Many people who had difficult struggles, God used them to do great things. And in the process, they asked God a lot of hard questions. We find this in Moses. We find this in Job. We find this even in Jesus himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know for a fact that God is not forsaking his son. But in that moment, we find a very real question. And it's in the middle of Christ's own struggle. 
as he's letting go of his life. Struggles bring hard questions. This is the important thing to know, though. I can ask God questions without questioning God. This is where it goes from I'm in a struggle to where the struggle's now inside of me, where I become, it's part of my identity. I'm not just in a struggle, I am the struggle. I identify with the struggle. This is my worst moment, this is my worst day. God has forsaken me. I'll never ever trust in God again because he let me down. And I had this day, and I had this month, or I had this bad year. God didn't fix my marriage. God didn't fix my mom. God didn't do this thing. God didn't do that. And I, I've moved from just asking God questions to questioning God. And there was a fine line between asking God questions, by the way, which is perfectly normal, to questioning God where things go into the struggle trap. You've fallen into a trap. God, are you even here? Do you even exist? Are you even listening? Are you even powerful? Are you the Messiah? Should I expect somebody else? Struggles bring hard questions. Now, here's what we know. Deuteronomy 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things God will not tell you answers to. There are some things that God says, hey, you know what? You don't need to know that. And you're like, but, but I'm your favorite. <laughs> but I can handle it. I, I can totally handle this. And God's like, no, 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 no. You, 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 don't, you are not going to like my answer. Or you're not ready to hear that. I've learned this. And by the way, if you're a parent, you, you can agree with me. There are questions that you don't answer. There are some questions you're like, you don't need to know that. And sometimes the questions are like, oh, are we ever going to eat? And you're like, look, we are abundantly blessed. You have never missed a meal in this. You're going to eat. Then there's times they're like, hey, where do babies come from? You're like, ask your mom. I don't know. All right, uh, go pray about it. Talk to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Go talk to him. I'm... There are some questions that God says, that's, that's not for you to know. And I can question God if I'm not careful about allowing the struggle to take root in my heart. And I'm just not walking through something. I get stuck. I get stuck in the middle of the struggle. The secret things belong to the Lord. I found this to be true, that sometimes I get answers, but most times I get asked to trust. That's what we know. Number one, struggles bring hard questions. Here's the second thing that we know. Circumstances tell big lies. Your circumstances will not tell you the truth. They'll tell you sometimes that things are way better than they actually are. Then they'll tell you sometimes things are way worse than they actually are. Here's what we know about John. He is exactly where God wanted him to be in this moment. Sometimes that's difficult for us in the middle of the struggle to recognize that I may be exactly where God wants me to be, doing his pleasing and perfect will, and I don't like it. Circumstances will lie to you. We have proof, I mean, money. Sometimes you get into a place where you're like, hey, I've got abundantly above all that I need or ask or I can even imagine that things are going well. I'll never have to ask for them. I've, I've actually made it. That's a lie. As a matter of fact, if you're putting all of your hope in money, you'll never have enough. And then there's seasons where you're walking through a struggle where you, you don't have any. You're like, I'll never make it. That's also a lie. We've had to learn that he is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. And our God knows how to bless. He's, he's El Shaddai, not El Chipo. He can do it if he wants to do it. Won't he do it? 
We serve a God that's able to bless anytime that he wants to, but circumstances will lie to you when God will not. Circumstances will tell big lies. God left me. I'm all alone. This is never going to end. It's going to always be this way. I wrote it down this way. If I'm not careful, I will exchange what I know for how I feel. And this is the issue that we find with many of us today. We exchange. And the struggle will get, we'll get away from what we know to be true. And we will exchange it for how I feel. The circumstances will lie to me and tell me things that just simply are not true. Things that are contrary to the word of God. And I'll exchange what I know for how I feel. And so we'll come to services like this or we'll talk about things like Thanksgiving and we'll celebrate holidays like Thanksgiving. You ought to be thankful. You ought to be praising. You ought to be in a place where you're listening off all the things that you're grateful for. And I have to say, hey, it's hard to sing songs of praise when I'm busy singing the blues. It's hard to sing songs of praise when I'm busy singing the blues. This will never end. I got laid off. My money's in doubt. My wife up and left me. My hair is falling out and I got the blues. Some of us, that's your life song. Let's sing praises. Sing songs of joy. God hates me. That song is not to be used without expressed copyright permission of uh... <laughs> Here's what we know. Uh, I can trust God's character when I can't trust my own thoughts. And somebody needs to write that down because this is good for you. I can trust the character of God when I can't trust my own thoughts. There's been many a time where I'm sitting across the table from someone who's listing out a list of things that they need some help on, they need some wisdom on, and sometimes I can help you. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I know exactly what to do. I, I get it. There's a scripture for that. And there's other times where it's like, I, I don't know, man. The Bible's not really clear on that. I can't quite give you the exact answer of what to do, or I'm not sure. But I know this. If I don't know what to do, if I can't trust what I'm thinking, I can trust the character of God. Well, this is what I know about God's character. I know this about God's character. I know that he's a good father. I know that he's worthy of my praise. I know that he's able to be trusted I know that in spite of what I'm feeling, I can trust the character of God. So struggles bring hard questions and circumstances tell big lies. Here's number three. God's word brings clarity. God's word brings clarity. And it's such a struggle internally for, for me as a pastor to watch so many struggles that God's people are walking through with simple basic understandings of the scripture would give them clear answers to, and they don't know. We have become the most biblically illiterate generation of all time. We do stuff like show up on Sunday and, hey, pastor, you just tell me what God is saying. What does that mean? Like, at some point, believer, please look at me. Please look at me. Look at me. At some point, if you call yourself a believer, you have to actually read this. You have to actually let this begin to read you. Everything that we need is found here, God's word brings clarity. David said, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's the light to my It's funny because about 60% of y'all know that scripture. That's basic. Your word is a lamp to my It's a light to my You know, for some of us, as we're looking at that scripture, yeah, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my 
path. We might think that his word is like a spotlight, that we can shine it in the direction that we're going. That's not true. The lamp that he's talking about is a hand lamp. It fits inside of your hand. It would be the size of a candle, a small one. And this is a lamp that you would hold in the middle of the night, and you would hold it, and it gives you just enough light to see the next step. One step. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. So I don't get clarity in terms of seeing the whole picture. I don't get to see the whole staircase. I do get to see the next step. Step. There's a reason why his word says he orders our steps. When I'm walking through a struggle, the only thing I need to know is how do I step out of this struggle? I don't want to get stuck here. Lord, what would you have me to do? Sometimes the step is not what I want, but there's always a step. Sometimes a step is wait. Sometimes a step is step back. But God's word brings clarity. I love that when Jesus is, is talking and sending the message back to John, his disciples are, have come to Jesus and like, are you the one that, that are you th this Messiah guy, should we expect somebody else? And Jesus doesn't respond matter-of-factly. He doesn't respond academically. He doesn't respond politically. He doesn't respond scientifically. He responds theologically. He points him back to the word. Jesus quotes Isaiah back to him. He knows that John knows the word. Let the word bring clarity in the middle of the struggle. Jesus sends his word. Jesus doesn't even go to see John. He sends his word. What does that tell me? That tells me when I can't feel his presence, I can lean on his word. I don't have to feel the presence of God to know that he's there. His word tells me, though your father and mother forsake you, I will never forsake you. His word tells me he will not leave me. His word tells me he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I can trust on his word when I can't sense his presence. I know that he's there whether I feel him or not. This is important in the middle of the struggle. Somebody needs to hear this today. Whether I feel him or not, I have to rely on the authority of his word. His word says he dwells in the praises of his people. That means I can praise, he shows up. I can lean on the word of God. God's word brings clarity. It tells me things like, hey, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, I like that one. His word tells me things like he gives me his peace. He looked at his disciples. He says, my peace I give you, and I don't give as the world gives. I love how he tells them, I'll be with you to the end of the age. He doesn't say to the end of your life. He said to the end of the age. That's speaking to us. I'm with you. I'm here. His word tells us that he's Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He's our provider. He's our helper. He's our guide. His word tells us that his Holy Spirit is our comforter. I need that. I need to be reminded. I need the clarity that comes from the word of God. And we still need that clarity today. Oh, life gets murky and musty. Life gets smoky. It's hard to see. It's hard to hear with all the noise that we're bombarded with 24-7. I need clarity. Where do I go to get clarity? Do I go sit by a lake? Well, well maybe. <laughs> but if it's not with Jesus, you're not getting clarity there. You might get a good view, but you ain't getting clarity. Then I found the longer that I sit by there, the more I get jealous of people with speedboats. I'm like, that looks like fun. Why don't you? Lord, if, if you're really there, make them give that to me right now. No? Hmm. 
all-powerful. Come on, let God's word bring you clarity in the midst of your struggle. Here's the thing I want to close with. Number four, and this is the most important, um, struggles can lead people to Jesus. And this is where God takes the struggle that we're walking through and redeems it and uses it for his purpose. There's a reason why Paul tells the church, in all things, God works it together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose in all things. God works it together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I didn't call myself. He called me. What's my response in this? Just love him. Lord, I love you. In the midst of this struggle, you're going to have to use this to bring some glory out of it. I don't see how. Here's the thing. People will watch you struggle. People will watch you struggle, and they'll watch how you struggle. And this is where your walk with Jesus becomes more than just talk. It becomes walk. This is where those, all those podcasts you're listening to while you're on the treadmill and people are like, oh, you go to this church? Yeah, I go to this church. That's because times are good. When times are bad, you're like, mm, I just need some Kanye. No, I just need some Etta James. Like, oh, what happened in the podcast? I'm struggling right now. Like, Come on. Is he God in the struggle? Is he God in the struggle? People are watching you struggle. Your struggle will tell people more about Jesus than your words. People watch when the rubber meets the road, when life is not ideal. This is, people are looking for authenticity. They're looking to see if you can praise Jesus in the middle of uh, the struggle. That's where he becomes real. This is where God takes that and redeems it, makes it more than just about you. It can point people to Jesus. You know, as I'm reading this story in Luke 7, and it, it appears in several of the other gospels as well, I've read this story many, many hundreds of times, and I've, I've preached it many, many dozens of times probably, and I always get to this place where I'm looking at John sitting in prison, and he's sending his disciples asking Jesus, are you the one, or, or should I wait on somebody else? And I'm thinking, man, Lord, don't let me get to the end of my life and, and fumble on the, on, on the one-yard line. Like, he's so close, and he has this moment of doubt. But then as you look at the life of John, you're like, wait, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Because I look at the character of John and the timeline of his life, I realize... He doesn't seem to be a person that's ever in doubt. He's like many of us that say, hey, I may be wrong, but I'm not in doubt, <laughs> right? Think about this. When we find the backstory of John, we find him in the womb, in the womb. And as his mother Elizabeth meets Jesus' mother Mary, and they're both pregnant at the same time, the baby, said, the baby begins to leap full of the Holy Spirit in the womb, you're not going to find a lot of people in Scripture that get the Holy Ghost before they're even born. Talk about a pro-life argument right there. <laughs> Filled with the Holy Spirit inside the womb. And as he starts his ministry, people are rejecting him. and He doesn't care. He's like, hey, I'm just telling you, there's somebody coming. There's somebody coming. There's somebody coming. And oh, he's on his way. He's on his way. Then Jesus shows up. He's like, behold, the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. There he is. That's the Messiah. Here he comes. Here he comes. And Jesus is like, you want to baptize me? He's like, I should be baptized by you. This is the one. And he baptized his cousin. He baptized Jesus. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus. John's right there to witness all this. The Bible tells us John is the same one that's crying in the desert, the one that's been prophesied about 400 years before he even comes to this earth. The voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the paths for the Lord. That's the prophecy about John's life. I don't see somebody that's timid. 
I see somebody that existed on purpose for a purpose and knew his purpose. And he's like, hey, here comes Jesus. I'm not even worthy to bend down and lace up his sandals. He said, he must increase. I must decrease. I don't know about you, but when he's in prison, he's not in prison for being timid. If you know the story, he goes to Herod, the, the ruler, the leader, and he tells him, you're wrong. and I don't care what you do to me. You can't sleep with your brother's wife. That takes a lot of guts. So maybe, just maybe, John's not in a place of doubt at the end of his life. As a matter of fact, I believe he's sending his disciples to Jesus because he wants them to see the Messiah for themselves. He wants them to recognize that the one I've been talking to you about, that's him. I'm about to go off the scene, but the most important thing is not me, it's Jesus. In spite of what I'm struggling with, in spite of all the things that you see me walk through, it's about Jesus. It's not about me, it's about him. He's going to be glorified in the midst of my struggle. This helps me to understand that I can have a different perspective no matter what I may be struggling with today. It doesn't matter if I can just find a way to point it back to Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. What does that tell me? It tells me this. I don't need great circumstances to praise a great Jesus. I don't need to have ideal circumstances to tell God he's worthy of my praise. I don't need everything to be hunky-dory before I can lift my hands and worship. I don't need those things. It sure is nice. It would be nice if I had them, but he's still worthy whether I feel it or not. He's still God whether I like it or not. He's still on the throne. He still rules. He still reigns. He's still in charge, and I still have my place. I can glorify him in the middle of my struggles. Can you receive that? I wish about three of you would just say, thank you, Lord, right now. He's a good God, and you don't need great circumstances to praise. You don't need great circumstances to tell him thank you. You can thank him in advance. You can thank him before it gets here. You can praise him in spite of your struggles. It ain't about you, boo-boo. It's about him. Can you receive that? As we finish up today, I want to recognize a couple things. Uh, number one is that there's a lot of struggles in this room, and I get, uh, I get the benefit and, and the weight of knowing a lot of your stories. I get it. I get it. And there are many people in this place that have no idea what you're walking through, and for some of you know that I do know your struggle, and I know that on every single row, there's turmoil, there's anxiety, there's stress, there's worries, there's less than ideal circumstances. And the enemy would have you believe that if you walk into this place today, that everybody around you has this perfect life, and you're the only one that's screwed up. No, you're not. No, you're not. I know the marriages that are struggling. I know the finances that are less than ideal. I know the marriage that is broken. I know the person that's only been three days clean and begging God for some help. I get it. We don't all have ideal circumstances. There's those that have walked through hell recently. And I just want to say, on, on behalf of all your brothers and sisters, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And I'm encouraged that when we started worshiping today. You didn't sit there and put your hands in your pockets. And look around like, what's wrong with all these people? I saw a group of people that were worshiping God in spite of their circumstances. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big deal to me. Helps me realize that these are my people. These are people that can be authentic. I don't have to have ideal circumstances to praise a great Jesus. That's who we are. That's what we do. We recognize that in the middle of the struggle, he's still God. You with me? 
As we finish up today, I wanna to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I wanna I want to pray for every person walking through a struggle. And I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm not trying to single you out in any way. That is not my heart. I want you to know you're in a safe place. You're in a place where God wants to touch you. He wants to help you. There needs to be some honesty on your part, but it doesn't have to be embarrassing. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling. This has been a rough week. It's been a rough year. I'm walking through a difficult part of my life. If that's you, can I just see your hand, just me and you, all over this place? Wow. There's multiple people on every row. It's, it's not even close. You can put your hand down. As a matter of fact, there's more hands lifted than aren't. We're not okay, but we're here. We don't have ideal circumstances, but we're here. We showed up. And I believe that by that simple act of faith, just by showing up, by being in the house of God, by giving God the first day of our week, that God is going to meet you here today. He's going to hear your prayers. He's going to move. It may not be in the way that you want, but his word tells us that he dwells in the praises of his people. And so right where you are, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I want you to just take a moment and begin to thank God for what he's already done. Come on, it's easy for us to give him our list of the things that we need him to fix, but thank him for what he's already done. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his grace. Thank him for mercy. Thank him for his compassion. Thank him for the times that he met you. Thank you for the times, Lord, that we felt all alone, but you were there, you showed up. Your word is true that you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and you've always been there. Lord, you've been my father, you've been my friend, you've been my corrector. You've been the lifter of my head. And when I couldn't feel you, I couldn't sense you, Lord, you were still there. And as I look back over my life, Lord, there's so many amazing times where you've kept me because you're good. You're a good father and you still do great things. Lord, we don't have great circumstances, but we sure have a great Jesus. And I'm grateful for all that you've done. And I'm expectant for what you're going to do. We give you thanksgiving in this place because you're worthy. Place our hope in you. Knowing that tomorrow can be better because you're in it. Lord, I pray for every one of my friends. Would you bless them? Would you strengthen them? Would you provide for them? Would you heal them? Would you deliver them? Would you give them wisdom this week? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up their mouths at the right time. That you would close their mouths at other times. I pray that you would let them walk in the light of your word. I pray that breakthroughs and miracles would happen this week as we put our trust and our hope and our faith in you. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I, uh, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus and I know that I need one. Or maybe like me, you were raised in church, but you, you've, you've gotten away from God and you need to come home. My friend, you're in the right place today. If that's you, if you need a relationship with Jesus or if you need to come home, you may say, how do I do that, Pastor? I want to help you like somebody helped me one time. It starts with a prayer. You may say, I'm not really sure what to say. Let me help you. Right where you are, I want to invite you to pray with me and I'll tell you what to say. Pray with me. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Come on, friend, pray with me. Say, I believe that you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life. 
and forgiveness for all of my sins. Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you be my boss, my Lord? Would you save me? Now say this, say, I don't want to live my life my way anymore. So I give it to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if you actually prayed that prayer, would you just lift up your hand all across this place? That was me, Pastor. Good, I see you, young lady. Good, I see you. Yes, I see you, young man. Good. Good. Yes, ma'am. Good. Anybody else today? I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor. That was me. I took that step. Man, I'm so proud of you. As a matter of fact, just those who prayed that prayer, would you look up at me for just a moment? You've come this far. I want to challenge you to take the next step. There's a number appearing on the screen behind me. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. I want to challenge you to text me. Text the words, I pray to this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a link for some things that I've prepared just for you. It will help you to understand what just happened inside of your heart. And it'll tell you what I should do next. You see, I don't believe that this is the end of your walk with Jesus. This is the beginning. And as a church, we want to help you to keep walking. It'd be our greatest honor to walk with you in your relationship with the Lord. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Well, Harvest family, go ahead and look up at me if you would, then stand to your feet. We have seven people responding to the Lord in this service alone. I think that's worthy of a round of applause. That's a pretty big deal. I just want to say to all of our friends that are watching online, would you do us a favor? If you liked what you heard today, or if you didn't like it, would you do us a favor? Click the share button. We believe that God can do incredible things if you would join and be part of our ministry by sharing this message with your social media world. It's always a great honor to have you do that for us. Could we do that for us? And then I want to remind you of a couple of things. December 18th is our Legacy Sunday. Between now and December 18th, would you just pray? That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not a person that's a big money guy. I'm not here to, to take up an offering or to, to make you give or put some heavy-handed guilt trip on you. I don't do that. But I will teach you how to be, res be responsible to, to whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to be obedient to what he tells you to do. This is the most critical thing I could tell you. Is submit to God. Listen to what he has for you. And if God tells you nothing, do nothing. If God tells you to do this, do that. Do exactly what he tells you to do. Between now and December 18th, would you just pray? And on December 18th, we'll come together and watch what the Lord can do through all of us working together to be led by the Spirit of the Lord to accomplish great things, to leave a legacy that this city needs. You still with me? Awesome. Our elders and their wives are coming. These guys are going to be available to pray for anything that you may need prayer for. For everybody else, let me bless you and send you out. Father, I thank you for my friends. I pray that they have an incredible week following after you in the middle of the struggle. Would you bless them in Jesus' name? Amen. God bless you as you go. Have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support, and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week, and we will see you next time.